This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson and with me this week are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. Gentlemen, obviously a sad week, a very, very sad week for the family of Jim McLean and all Dundee United supporters. It's, there's been a lot of a lot of magnificent stuff written and spoken from your good selves is at the, near the top of the list as well. It's time of time. To, everything's been said. Everything's been written about these achievements. We all know it, but I think it would be it'd just be right and proper if we could get both of your two guys that what the Dundee United beat for well one one for longer than than the other. I'll I'll say Ian, but uh, <laughs> do you that what the Dundee United beat for a for a long long time? What's your personal reflections on? on your dealings with Jim McLean. I'll start with you, Jim, and just sort of your overall reflections on on the sort of, basically, the era that will never be repeated. Well, it won't be repeated, um, Eric. You're right. I mean, you know, we've said pretty much all we can um, this week. I was doing something earlier this morning on on BBC uh, about him um, <coughs> with Phil Goodlad, who, um, you know, Phil's a Don's fan. I'm sure he'll not mind me saying that. But we were talking about the fact that along with Alex Ferguson, they broke the mould in Scottish football for a period um, we, Jim and, and, and Fergie, with the new firm, really broke the mould of, of the Glasgow domination of Celtic and Rangers. I mean, you know, the season that he won the league, the, the only time United did so, and, and, and probably are likely to ever do so, um, they won the league by a point. With Celtic and Aberdeen on, on the same points, just a point behind them, Celtic better in goal difference. But I mean, it really was a remarkable achievement. When you consider that when Jim took over at Tannadice from Jerry Kerr, um, United were still probably by a way the smaller of the two clubs in the city. Traditionally, Dundee were the far bigger club, had the bigger support base, had a wealthier board, uh, and all the rest of it. And 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 although I sometimes feel that Jerry Kerr doesn't quite get the credit he deserved for what he did at Tannadice mm-hmm. when United became the Tannadice Terrors and all the rest of it, we Jim utterly transformed the club into a modern day professional outfit. I mean, you know, at their best, they were super fit. They had great style. They had great players. Um, you look at the players that he signed. Uh, not only did he have a fantastic youth academy, which brought through so many great stars, when he needed to spend the money, he was ambitious. I mean, he spent 165000 on Eamon Bannon, uh, which was a Scottish transfer record at the time. He spent money on Willie Pettigrew when Bayern Munich and Celtic were, were interested in the player. You know, so... You know, in terms of, you know, everything, we've, we've talked about this ad infinitum over the years, but I mean, he was ahead of the game in terms of, you know, taking dietary advice for players, sports science, bringing in, sport, um, you know, top athletics coaches, sprint coaches like Stuart Hogg and all the rest of it. And tactically, he was a master. Things that people talk about now um, as, as, as new and bold and, and innovative. Jim was doing 40 years ago. And when you get Sir Alex Ferguson saying that he was his greatest ever adversary, you know that you were dealing with a man who was something special. He's got a way, hasn't he, Alec Ferguson, of, of putting out a line that kind of not not steals the headlines, but you know, it's probably the most impactive tribute. There's been nice, there's been beautifully mm-hmm. written pieces, but just that that line, Ian, it sums it up, doesn't it? Because because everybody thinks of Alec Ferguson as the and rightly so the manager, possibly the best manager of all time. When he comes away with something like that, Ian, it really does crystallise Jim McLean, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, it was a beautiful. Beautiful line from uh, Sir Alex, who, and he'd obviously thought. He, I bet he thought about it beforehand. These things don't come off the cuff. I do think they? he did. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an absolute uh, master at these things. Uh, but it's from the heart. Um, there was rivalry there, but there was also huge affection and respect from uh, Ferguson for for McLean. It was um, <laughs> well. We have to remember as well. United's very first trophy. So uh, a 3-0 win in the replay at Dens uh, by a United team. Now, that absolutely annihilated uh, Aberdeen that night. I was at the game. Um, it was an incredible performance. And, uh, you know, Sir, Sir Alex will have remembered that and had carried that, that respect for, for McLean right through when the two were not just going head-to-head with the old firm, but better in them on a regular basis. Um, on a personal note, um, Jim was my first Dundee United uh, manager uh, working in this job. Uh, I've I've had eighteen, believe it or not, and a few. Care- <laughs> uh, that, that's not counting the, the caretaker manager. So there's been a few. Who's there's obviously there? been <laughs> there's obviously been none of his his uh, his greatness, um, and his legacy will last through the years. 
Um, it's, did you get banned? Do we, do we, did you cover it long enough? To, the the to paper got, certainly got banned. I don't, I don't recall personally, but it came as a job <laughs> lot. Um, you, would be, you would be on the stairs. Also, remember, I was speaking to, uh, you know, obviously, Jim, Jim will be the same. We've been getting contacted by United fans to chat about this. And um, <clears throat> I, I was telling the story about one of my very earliest games was at Falkirk Brockville. The old Brockville, I think it was a draw, actually, United. Uh, got a draw there, and uh, I was saying, "Oh, here's here's Jim McLean coming in. I've got to get you know his quotes. I'll fill fill the paper with what he's going to say on the game." He came in, opened the door, went, "We should have done much better than that. We didn't play very well," and then just went away. <laughs> I was like, oh, "For goodness' sake!" <laughs> All the things they say about him are true, you know. But um, also, to to on a serious note, I mean, I, I, I witnessed most of his of his uh, wonderful achievements. Um, the league championship win, the two cups, the European great nights, beating Barcelona, beating Marunchen, Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, the, oh, the one in Monaco. You know the, the thing about McLean as well; he's a complex character, wasn't he? And and the players were the he's great players like Hegarty and Neri and 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 Luggy. They they were the first ones to admit that he was a complex, difficult guy at times, but that complexity. Uh, was maybe just part of his genius, you know? Because I, I think Luggy said, Sturrock said to me one time that the difference between United and some of these European foes that, that, that they came up against was that his players knew McLean had the other team down to a tee. He knew everything about them. Uh, he knew every single player and he knew that they, they had the tactics and the, the quality in the side to win the game. So they would go in against... Belgian champions and Dutch sides, you know, like Eindhoven, and think we, we're going to win this game. No, that's a magical thing. That's absolutely a magical thing. And um, that, to me, is the peak of McLean's uh, greatness was his ability to get the better of teams that probably United shouldn't have been getting anywhere yeah. near as far as their stature of the club. But he had faith in his players, and he knew his faith, his players were, were 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 able to not just match these teams, but go on and beat a Barcelona side. You know, it's just it's just amazing. But also as well to dominate Rangers and Celtic, and fans of the the modern era will go, how how on earth did that happen? And at the time, you took it for granted. You did take it for granted. And I remember thinking, Rangers people would speak about Rangers as the this this giant, and I'm like. You know, Rangers aren't that great a team. They come to Tanadice United beat them quite regularly. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like you. I mean, I grew up. I grew up. Uh, well, I've, we moved down south when I was when I was wee, and then so I came back when I was eleven, and haven't been a big Liverpool fan. And I'm, and, you know, Rangers were like third, fourth in the league, if that. And I was I, I couldn't get what some people were speaking about the whole. Mm-hmm. Rain, you could see Celtic were still there, but this Rangers, Rangers were a mid a mid table team to me. You know, with, that's right. With yeah. Half empty Ibroxes, and you're right. It was Dundee United, Aberdeen, Celtic, and you know Hearts came into you know. So Rangers really didn't didn't figure in the whole thing. Well, Jim, you you must have got banned. Just to wrap it up, come on, you must well, have got well, banned. Bizarrely, I, I didn't either, Eric. Oh. You know, um, I, I, you must, I you must I mean, have been I can, mellowing. I, I can recall that I can recall the night I, I broke the story about um, what was the day. I was on on, on BBC Sports Sound, and uh, I'd, I'd got wind of. Um, a couple of Irish guys who, who who were seeking to invest in the club, they wanted to take some of that five percent stake in the club, and they had these these kind of great ideas about the way their game was going, European things, and all the rest of it. So I'd gone in here, and Richard Gordon, the presenter, said to me, you know, uh, so you know, over at Jim Spence, right at the top of the program, you know, with, with a great story, Jim, what's going on? So I, I give this big build up about possible Irish investment, in United, linking back to the club's history as Dundee Hibs, and wouldn't this be kind of full cycle and all the rest of it? And Richard said to me. And what's, the, what's Jim McLean saying about it? I said, I'll tell you in a minute, Richard, because he came, he came storming <laughs> along. You know, he came storming along the, the 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 stand heading for the gantry. And obviously, on a, on this podcast, I can't repeat what he was shouting up at me. You know, this is well, you could have been the John Barnes before him. <laughs> eh? When he got off to the gantry, you know, he was uh, he was giving it big licks and. 
I actually, I actually had a copy of the letter. I'd acquired a copy of the letter which uh, had been Just sent well. to them. So he kind of, you know, he, 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 he was sort of, um, he, he was a bit kind of sheepish about that when I showed him. I think you said something to me, like, ah, the problem with you, Spencer, is you, what's the phrase, you you hunt with the hounds and you run with the hares? In other words, you're a two-faced git, basically, you know. And he went away. <laughs> and that night, I'd gone to, I'd gone to um, a bar that I was fond of frequenting for a couple of beers. And when I got home, my wife said to me, you've had a phone call, I said, from the United manager, and he, he'd simply said, is that wee ginger-haired in? And she'd said, no, he's not here. Tell him I want to speak to him. And that was it. But the next week, he was as right as rain. He was fine, you know. Um, so I never really, you know, I was never ever banned. I mean, some people were. Dick Donnelly was banned for about a season, wasn't he? You know, the great Yeah, Dick. he was, yeah, um, yeah. Was banned for about a season. And various people got got bans and all the rest. At the day of the unfortunate uh, incident with John Barnes, I was at um, um, I was at Petodre. I'd been sent to cover the game at Petodre for uh, Claudia Canigia's debut. And 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 I, I, you know, root, I, mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I, we're not kind of talking ill of him because his character as a as a man as a manager was every bit as. Um, you know, Volatile. as important as, as, as everything else that went on in the game. But <clears throat> I was literally, I, I took my, my youngest boy who, you know, who was, well, he wasn't in the Dundee youth set up at that time. He was only about eight or nine, but I took him with me. I said, you want to come and see this? Cloudy can just got him into the press. Things were a bit more lax in these days. You get him into the press box and all the rest of it in the press area. So we come out and I was speaking to Peter Marr and um, Big Robert Douglas outside after the game. Jump in the car, wheek out the Petaudry car park. It was literally gone about 50 yards. The phone goes. I pulled in to take the call, and it was a Dundee cameraman, Bob Ray. And his, his, his words are imprinted on my brain. I said, what's up, Bob? He says, Jim, you will never guess what's just happened. I said, what's happened? He says, the chairman has just chinned Digger. And that was his exact words. John Barnes, we called him Digger Barnes. I thought, oh, dear, oh, dear. And that, of course, that put in train, you know, the the event, the subsequent events that... Um, that led to, you know, his kind of, I suppose, his demise um, at Tannadice. So it was really all going downhill from there. But, but football-wise, Eric, you know, I mean, magnificent things in Europe. I often, th- I often think back to a game that I covered. I don't know, Ian, whether you were on the game, uh, at the game when United played Tatran Presov across there. Um, uh, no, not over there. No, no. I, I, I did the, I did the, the commentary with, with Bob Crampsey, the late Bob Crampsey. And you know, United had a very, very fine side there, and and you know we had the remarkable Ivan Golik, of course, as manager, but it was you know it was a pretty desperate for performance. United got beat three one from a side that most of us had never heard of before, and coming back on the plane, you just kind of sensed that Jim was thinking, "What have I done here?" Albeit, and you know we know that Ivan won the cup, and he was a breath of fresh air for us as journalists. But even at that stage, you kind of sensed United has some tremendous players in that team. You know, Morris was still playing, Christian Daly, Clay. And you know, McInally, Davy Hanna, great, great players on the bench. Never mind that Bowman and Brewster on the bench, but you kind of just sense the slippage, and you, you just basically sense things would never be the same again. The great, the great, great years. I mean, you know, it's it's overdone. We talk about what he done will never be seen again, but literally won't. He took a small Scottish club to heights that are utterly undreamable of nowadays. One thing that one thing that uh, incident that springs to mind for me was. Um, United had beaten Eindhoven and Celtic were in the, in the continent as well. I don't know who they were playing, but they won as well, I think. Mm-hmm. And b- bizarrely, you would never happen now, but bizarrely, the two teams were sharing the plane. And um, when United... It certainly wouldn't happen just now. When United players walked onto the plane, the Celtic players gave them a round of applause and uh, vice versa. I mean, these really were heady days. Um, wonderful, wonderful occasions. It was, of course, it was before the the internet. So when you had uh, draws coming through, you, you, you didn't really have much information on who it was, but it would come through and it'd be standardly aged, and you'd mm-hmm. say, "Ah, oh, well, that's fine. We'll get past them." You know, <laughs> um, at least it's no Juventus or Real Madrid or something. But even then, would give them a go. You know, United would give would give them a go. So that's the kind of thing that the, that you were looking at. It was it was quite astonishing. I mean, I was going back to the the incident at Tannadice. I was there, and it, and it was tragic that that uh, you know the incident with uh, John Barnes. It, it was a shame. Um, things were just getting too on on top of him at that time. But I think, like most great managers, you'll look back and it'll be the on the pitch stuff. 
um, that 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 will uh, be be McLean's legacy. The quite extraordinary things, which I think has been recognised across Scotland. Um, sometimes in, in in this area of the country, we think, oh, people through in the West, they don't really pay much attention. Well, they definitely paid attention to Jim McLean, and 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 the the, the national tributes to him have been have been wonderful yeah. and quite fitting. Um, you know, because we could have a chip on our shoulder sometime. Oh, you know, they're not giving him his place. He got his place, and quite rightly too, because he yeah. was an absolute giant. Well, he made he made he made people take notice of him and Dundee United. Basically, uh, absolutely, there's there's no doubt about that. Ian's right there with the national thing, and, and you know what I mean. It's not just I mean I saw I saw a team in England the other day, and it was one of the non-league teams putting something out. You know, um, uh, 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 was it Carlisle? I can't remember who it, who it was, but it was a non-league team putting something out. I mean, he had he had a dramatic effect. I mean, I know that on you know on, on my Twitter feed, there's quite a lot of Celtic boys follow me on that, and they, they they've got a, an enormous respect for him because you know guys of a certain age can can, you know, remember, I'm not saying warmly, but can remember quite clearly when United were not only capable, but did regularly manage to, to beat Celtic, you know. And it was, I mean, for a while, of course, it was United, Aberdeen, Celtic, and occasionally Hearts and things like that, Rangers for a, for a time were nowhere. I mean, the season that United won the league, I think Rangers were about 36 points to, you know, Celtic and Aberdeen's, I think it was 55, 56, whatever uh, the final total was that season, miles off the pace, you know, so... He 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 really did have a dramatic um, impact on, on Scottish football for the period of time that, that, that he was there. And I mean, you know, I suppose now Dundee United will want to look forward, but to some to some extent, you know, there's been a great deal of looking back to the past. And this is a week to do it. You know, now he's just passed away, but um, it, it, it's it's no it, it is no harm to anyone at Tannadice or anywhere else to say, just you will not recreate these days. The game has moved on so dramatically from from these days. I mean, it was fascinating the other night. I did a podcast um, uh, the other night with, um, we're allowed to mention other podcasts on this podcast. Oh, go on, just this <laughs> we did one. We did one. You've already done it, Jim. BBC. <laughs> did one with Jim Mark and Ellie and Graham Spears. And Jimmy made the point, when Jimmy came back from Coventry, he was on £600 a week basic wage at Coventry. Jimmy came back for 210 quid. So he, he took a two-thirds drop in his wage because he wanted to win things. He wanted to be part of a team that played in Europe and all the rest of it. But he made a really good point because a lot of people, you know, you get a lot of people saying, oh, he, he did these long contracts with players and he paid terrible money. Um, Jimmy made the point. He said the bonuses at Tannadice were incredible. If they beat Celtic, Rangers, um, Aberdeen, Dundee, they were on eight and 900 quid win bonus. So they were basically on four times their, their basic salary. I mean, there weren't many clubs paying bonuses anywhere near that. So, you know, it's, it's very easy sometimes to pigeonhole them into this kind of, uh, you know, th- th- this small kind of corral about uh, his character. We, we, we've got you We've got you on a bonus. To, if you write a good column, you get four <laughs> times it, but it's never been paid yet. Actually, I would like to agree with that, Jim. That's a great point you make about that because folk are, you know, from, from and, and, and he didn't get on with a lot of people and, and he was, you know, uh, he ran up against a few players that his person, the past personalities, and has just clashed. However, there was loyalty from a lot of a lot of his greatest players. You know, your Hegarty's, your Neres, your Malpass, Sturrock, all stayed for that time. That all that time, even even yeah, even yeah. later on. So it wasn't like they were in there for a year. Well, oh, this guy's this guy's terrible. I've got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And they were on kind of you know right enough. They were on long lengthy contracts, um, as we know. But they could have left, but they didn't. They stayed, and uh, I think that's because they knew Jim McLean helped make them the players that they became. Yeah. Well, you both done them justice there. I know. I would say that we recorded a podcast. In the summer, with uh, Steve Finnan, who's who's written a book about about Jim McLean, and we go into a lot more detail about the tactics. And the, there's an hour on it, I think, from memory, guys. Isn't there? We go into details about the, the sort of Jim McLean, the tactician, and his context, putting him in context of, of the time and all the rest of it. So, I would those who want a bit more Jim McLean, I would advise you to go and find that one, which was like I say, you'll you'll scroll back and see it a few months ago. Anyway, we're going to do another bit of reminiscing, not going quite as far back. We're just going to do a bit of a review of 2020 for the three big clubs in our patch. And, you know, it's we'll start it with United, obviously, after talking about Jim McLean. And even without coronavirus, Ian, 2020 would have been a pretty momentous year for 
for them, wouldn't it? It's uh, they've got promoted. They're in the in the big league again, and they've gone through a couple of managers. Well, they've gone. Through, yeah, they've, they've they've had two different managers. What's the? It does seem a long time ago that you know that they they were uh, were turning the year and United were cruising to the title, but people kind of forget, don't they? The 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 back was broken for that promotion in ni- in twenty nineteen, wasn't it? Twenty twenty form wasn't too clever, was it? Under Robbie Nielsen. No, it was tailing off a wee bit. It was tailing off a wee bit, but they had the plenty of points in the bank. Um, I always go back, when I think about United being promoted now, I always go back to the day at uh, Paisley, at St Martin, uh, against St Martin and the penalties, the ludicrous penalty shootout. And after <laughs> that, you're thinking, what on earth do they need to do to go up? And I, and I you know, I wrote, I wrote in my, uh, my analysis of that game, quite simply, they just need to win the title. And that's what they did. They, they, they just went out, they got the title, they, they, they bought Warren Shankland, um, like an insurance policy almost, to, to make sure they did it. And they shouldn't, when we're, when we're looking at United getting, um, you know, draws with, uh, in, the, in the Premier League and disappointments, maybe nil, too many nil-nil draws, oh, they're no playing well and it could be better under Mellon, you know, how come he's not no attacking more. Remember that United are, have just come up after a horrendous, uh, horrendously difficult, challenging time for the club, which which rocked them, really, and was much harder, I think, than any United fan would have suspected uh, when they went down, first of all. It was much harder to get up than they would have thought at that time. So it's been a long journey, an arduous one, back in the top flight. So congratulations to United players for getting there, first of all, and for the way that they've they've started the uh, you know they've started this the new season in the top flight. Uh, there'll be difficult times along the way. They'll, 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 there'll be disappointments along the way, but I think their their their, their points total is probably just slightly better than I, I would have hoped for. So um, it's it's looking fine. Uh, the the change of manager, I mean, again, that's another thing that you, that the players have had to cope with. One minute Robbie Nielsen's there, literally one day he's there, the next day he's not there. He's he's at Hearts. He's just won the title. You're thinking, surely mm-hmm. as a player, you you were entitled to think that this will be the man that takes us back into the top flight. No, he he, he went away. There was the emotional pool of hearts. So you're then looking for who comes in. Now, Mickey Mellon, not a name that we, I think most United supporters will have heard of. Um, that's no disrespect to him. But I think he's come in and he's, he's he's done fine. He seems assured. He's certainly self-confident, I think. He's put his mark on the club. I think he's, I think he, uh, you know, it's now Mickey Mellon's done to United because I think the players respect him and listen to him. Uh, follows the instructions, certainly. Um, so, it's it's they're they're doing fine. They're doing fine. I do suspect that uh, the the latter half of the season might may, might be more challenging than the first half, for various reasons. Um, they could lose players, which we we'll maybe touch on. But um, I think I think up to now, it's I think twenty twenty for all its challenges has been a a good year, a good year for Dundee United. Sadly impacted and and with the tragic death of Jim McLean, but on the pitch. On the pitch, I think I think the players have, have done fine. Jim, I was I was just thinking there. It, you wouldn't it is it, it they've the, the, when they appointed Mickey Mellon, they kind of in hindsight they've they, they've appointed a, a similar manager to to Robbie Nielsen. I'm not talking in characteristics. I'm mm-hmm. talking about in the way that the team played. You could you could imagine you could have imagined or I could have imagined. I'm not put words in your mouth. The season panning out for United in a similar fashion. I don't think United would have been easier. You know, Robbie Nielsen wouldn't have come up and had a team that was easy on the eye, would he? He would have. He would have had a similar. I think he would have had a similar defensive first mindset had he come up. Do you think that would be fair, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know that Robbie. That was probably Robbie's style to, <clears throat> to to a great extent, and I mean, to some extent, it's you know United this season have been predicated on not losing goals, and that's important because you know, I mean, they they came. I mean, you know, bear in mind that the league was called. Um, United still had a 14-point lead, so they were well ahead. But, I mean, th- there is no doubt, Eric, that there's a difference between playing in a... You know, a, a team from a championship will always give a team from the premiership a game. But to do it week in, week out, you know, the mental and the physical um, toll 
that that demands on players week in, week out is very, very tough. And because there is a difference. And, and you know, you're in the championship for a reason. You're in the championship because you're a championship club. And by and large, you've had championship players, you know. So when you come up to the premiership, it's difficult. And, and I don't suspect it. Um, I, I don't know if Robbie would have done as well as this, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I, mean, I know a lot of... Um, United fans are, are not overly happy that it's not particularly pleasing on the eye, but you know, this is professional football. The, 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 the aim is twofold, it is to entertain, but ultimately the aim is to win more than you lose. Um, yeah, or certainly win and draw more than, than you lose. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I take the philosophical view that Dundee United should always be a top six club because they are, you know, one of the top six uh, sized clubs in Scotland. But it's all very well saying that, you know, um, you know, you, you've actually got to perform on the pitch, and they've been doing that. They're, they're sitting there in a very handsome position in fifth. You know, there's you know there's tough games coming up and all the rest of it, and, and you know the. They will face some challenges, as you say, between now and the end of the season. We know that, but I really don't think that at this stage in the game that you can you can complain about the team sitting there, you know, behind uh, Rangers, Celtic, um, Hibs, and Aberdeen. I mean, I think that that's that's very very decent form indeed. So between promotion and and, and where these where these sit as the season ends, it's it's, it's I think it's a pretty decent. Uh, they've shown a pretty decent hand of things. And Ian, I think when you look at the look back at the candidates that were linked to a United through that sort of, it felt like a long uh, managerial recruitment process, but it probably wasn't really looking back. But anyway, there was some there was some weird and wonderful names cropped up, you know, your Steve McLarens and the like. But I think, would you agree we can safely say that they got the right man in Mickey Mellon? I think they did. Um, you know, we, we're, we're in a privileged position where we get to talk to these people and um, Mickey is uh, bright. As I say, self-assured, he's confident in, in his own ability and quite right too. You'd be worried if he wasn't. Um, he is practical and uh, I think that he sets his teams out thus. Uh, I think I think he's... I, I feel pretty comfortable with him there. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's new to us, but he's not new to the managerial game. He's, he's a very experienced guy. Uh, albeit in England, but you you see that you see that coming through in in the way he talks and the way he analyzes the games. He, he's you know he could be he could come up with a a, a surprise and but I, I I like the way he set up his teams in, in difficult matches. For example, the you know the one the one against Celtic, albeit the lost at, uh, at Tannadice, that was very impressive. Um, and also, also the, uh, the the game at Easter Road. So he pulls his nuggets out, and you're thinking this man knows what he's doing. I think I think you could see, and uh, you could see a well coached team. I think I think the same goes for St Johnson under Callum for a, for a lot of this season. Um, you could see a, a team that's been drilled on the training ground when you watch them actually play. They know their jobs, don't they? Yeah, and I, I think that comes across with Mellon. Now he's had a he's had a quandary, of course. He's had a quandary up front in particular with uh, Lauren Shankland and how does he fit in? Mark McNulty and Nicky Clark keeps scoring goals, so so that's that's been a difficult one for him. And he's and he, you know the, the great criticism of of him from fans is. Uh, is that he isn't attacking enough. But he I think he has decided he has to walk before he can run in this Premier League, in this uh, uh, Premier Premiership. And uh, that that's that's the decision he's taken. And and I, I back him on that personally. I think yeah, if United can keep tucking points away, stay away from that danger zone, then yes, Eric, they'll have, they've definitely got the right man. The big shadow, Jim, and of course we say it's off the field, but you know, it, it could well. It's you know, there's never there's never sort of financial issues that aren't linked on the field as well. Particularly now that we're we're in a transfer window, you know, United like they're not alone, but there are financial issues at the club just now. You know, the the, the wage cuts and all the rest of it, the potential for Seagrest. You think Seagrest likely to go January? Shanklin possibly as well. So mm-hmm. the two are interlinked. I mean, how do you, on the on the scale of one to ten, where's your uh, on the Jim Spence worryometer? How worried are you about United 
United's financial health. Well, uh, as Esther Ranson used to say, <laughs> that's life. Um, I've not had this one. Yeah, <laughs> as Esther used to say, that, that, that's life. You know, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I wrote a piece a wee while back when they asked for the wage cuts. I wrote a piece for the, the Courier column saying that they should be worried and they should be worried. But, you know, that, that, that's not saying Dundee United alone should be worried. Many, many clubs should be worried. You know, they, they find themselves in a position of uh, having an owner, Mark Ogren, who's had a couple of years in charge. He's put lots of money into the club. Um, loads of things have been utterly and completely revamped. Coaching staff and, you know, background stuff, money going into the youth academy and all the rest. Lots of very, very good things have gone in indeed. But no one for one moment could have predicted that we'd be, be in the middle of a global pandemic. And this is hitting clubs a heck of a lot bigger than just Dundee United, you know, all over the shop. So, I mean, we know that there are, you know, players have been asked to take wage cuts. I don't know what the latest is on that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's a, an issue that raises its head again, not just at Tannadice, but at other places too. I mean, there's a whole load of things that have happened in the game that have been unpalatable. Um so, you know, that ties in, of course, with the financial circumstances that they, they, they find themselves in. And, and and if there is a bid for Shankland in the January window, or if there's a bid, and I said for some time, that Seagrass might actually end up being the more um, valuable asset, particularly given his recent forum, then it'll be very, very difficult for United to turn down bids if they are... Decent bids, and of course, that you know that that has to be weighed in the balances against what you might lose by selling players, and and, and what you might gain by you know by selling them. So, only the only people that can answer that will be Mark Ogren and Tony Asgar, the the, um, the, the sporting director, uh, and of course Mickey Mel will have will have some say in that as well. But you know, f- f- running a football club is an expensive business, and you have to balance the books. You know, you'd far rather have a club to support and to follow. They're not a club to support or follow, you know, so the clubs have to balance the book. And and everyone's faced this over the years. I mean, you know, we we talked we talked glowingly earlier on in our tributes about we Jim. But Jim McLean sold a player every maybe three or four years. Over the <clears throat> over the pace he sold, you know, you know, various players from Andy Gray in the early days to Ray Stewart to Christian Daly to Duncan Ferguson. You know, and they always had to sell players to balance the books at Tannadice. That's that's you know, that's that wasn't unusual. It happened right throughout Scottish football, but particularly at United being a one of the smaller of the big clubs in Scotland, if you know what I mean. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if financial problems raise their head again. I mean, I know the clubs have all been given loans, but they've got to pay these back. And frankly, it doesn't matter whether loans are at a a very low interest rate or, you know, a very high interest rate. If you've not got much money coming in, then, you know, you've got to think of that. You've got lots of things to think. You've got to think about, you know, already clubs like United will be starting to think about next season, season book base. You know, you're going to get the kids that, you know, to, 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 to stump up the money for a season book. You're going to get the adults to stump up. I mean, there are all sorts of problems that are going to hit, not just United, but other clubs as well. So if, if a bid comes in for either or both of these players and it's a decent bid, it will put United in a very, very difficult position because the club has to ensure its financial viability. And it might well be that they've got to sell someone to do that. Ian, maybe not the fairest question because let's face it, we can't we can't predict what will happen in, in one week, one month, let alone one year. But I'll, I'll ask you anyway, what sort of uh, what sort of Dundee United do you think will, you know, 12 months' time doing this, what sort of Dundee United are we talking about? Where will they be? What will their situation be? How do you how do you see the next 12 months panning out for United? Well, it'll certainly be uh, challenging financially. Um, the accounts uh, are, are due at any time, I think. Um, the, the wage cut situation is ongoing. Now, on the park, I think that they will likely lose Sigrist and Shankland. Um, I think it's almost... Well, extremely likely that that both will go if they're uh, if the bids are, are sensible bids, which I think they will be, particularly for uh, for Seagreast, and I think that'll probably be the the first one that comes in. Um, I think they'll lose the two of them, but I think United will have enough to keep themselves in a decent position uh, at the end of the season, and then I think hopefully we'll all get vaccinated and the pandemic will begin to be a thing of the past. Uh, that will allow Mickey Mellon to come into his own, I think, in the transfer market, go down to the maybe the, a market he knows well down in England, pick up one or two players. You also have you also have a lot of young talent up here in in Tannadice already. Um, you know, I'm talking about Kerr Smith and Lewis Nielsen, etc. They'll come through into the team. They'll get first team 
uh, football. Maybe one of them will be playing regularly by the end of the season. So there's it's mixed. There's concern, but there's also optimism. I think um, it's all about it's all about the club getting through the the coronavirus um, in a in a in a financial s- situation where they can they can they can move Manageable. forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been St. Johnson. We're talking about Dundee Knights twenty twenty. Jim St. Johnson's twenty twenty. You can you can say the exact same thing. They they lost their their best, their greatest ever manager in the middle of it, and they've they brought back a, a a playing legend. So it's been a transformational 2020 for them as well. It, it's been quite a, a pretty poignant year, um, actually, Eric. Because I think you know, I mean, you know, as journalists, we're there to try and call it as we see it, report the facts, and all the rest of it. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable when you have to say things about folk that, that, that you that you like, and sometimes there's criticism involved, which you, you know you'd rather not do, but you do it. But I have to say, very seldom did we have to criticise Tommy, and I think we can probably all say this: we all got on very, very well with him. I mean, he would take phone calls; he was always available. But the, the, in hindsight, you know, Jim, it's probably it's probably good we never had to criticise him that much. Well, no, no that's the, the times he wasn't happy, you did know. About that, well, well, listen, when he wasn't, and, and he was very adept at using the media to get his, get his point over and all the rest of it. You know, I mean, he was. it wasn't the first time he kind of hauled me into the. You know, I'd be going to interview and he'd say, "Come in here, come into the, my office for twenty minutes," and he'd, you'd get a few things Mark off your his chest. First. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at your card on a few things, um, and that's you know that's part of the course. That's what happens in the game. He was particularly adept uh, at that. Funnily enough, I did want I did find myself wondering the other day when he might make a return because I think he's had that break now from the game that he that he wanted and probably needed. Um, but he really was a sad loss to Saints because he he, he did magnificently with them. We stepping in after Stevie Lomas went. You know, the, I mean, I was the I was the the, the television reporter the day of uh, the Scottish Cup final, and and we, we drew lots. And I ended up my my job was to interview the losing manager. And I have to say, it was the easiest money I ever made at the BBC. And it was it was two ten second questions and two ten second answers from from Jackie McNamara. You know, um, at the end of the game, uh, and Tommy just outfoxed him. And, and uh, outgunned him that day and it was a great day in Saints history and you know we're on European trips with him and all the rest of it some great uh, some great you know trips there too with him so it, it, it was a big big blow I think for a club like St Johnson when you lose a manager who um, has been as vital to them and their success as he was you just automatically thought of them under him as a top six club but um, he's gone, uh, and, and and it's a new broom. That's uh, and Callum Davidson's had an intriguing start. I mean, I think he's a he's a vibrant young manager. He calls it as he sees it. He's not frightened. He's not frightened to criticise his players. He's not frightened either to give credit to the uh, opposition. So he's a very fair-minded uh, manager. Um, but he's had a, a, a bizarre spell, hasn't he? You know, they go eleven games unbeaten, club record, and then all of a sudden they go on a, a horrible seven run. winless so, in the league. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just that's the nature of football, um, Eric. And I think I'm always reminded of the old Kipling po- program. You know, if you can treat the, you know, the, the two imposters of, of you know of success and failure uh, just the same, then you'll be a man. And and, and Cal- Callum's a man anyway. He knows it. You know, he's top player. Knows the English game. Cap for Scotland. You know, he, he's a he's, he's a top lad, and he. He will grow as a manager, but it's been an intriguing baptism for him, I think. But, you know, go from strength to strength. I mean, looking at the table as we speak, it's not particularly pretty for St. Johnson, but, uh, um, and, and they have been dragged into that kind of basement scrap, but I'm pretty sure that they will emerge from it. But it's been, been much more uncomfortable um, watching, I think, uh, particularly given that very often they've played some really good football. And yet you look at the table and you see where they are, you think, that you know, that's the problem. We get, we get going back to the Mickey Mellon thing. You know, people you know, not playing good enough football. Well, would you rather play great football and be down where Saints are, or play kind of football that's not always the easiest on the eye for particularly United fans with longer memories who've seen the great years, but be sitting fifth top of the table? And, yeah. and I think I think I know yeah. which one I would go for. You know? Yeah, and Ian, I think it's uh, it's almost the the sort of flip flip side of of the United scenario. I mean, I, I you don't. I'm, Listen, Saints are facing up to the same fun, a lot of the same financial issues that every other club in the country is. But you certainly don't get the impression that you know they're they're kind of teetering on real, real financial issues the same way United potentially are, just with the the way the club's been run over you know over over many years. But on the other side of things, with with a real small squad, 
if injuries and all the rest of it were to go against them and COVID and all the rest of it, you know, it's more of a tightrope they're walking than, than say United because on just basically on a pure numbers basis, you know, numbers in, in terms of personnel and, and numbers in terms of points on the board. So it is, it's, Jim's right, there's there's a lot to be positive about, but they do still walk that tightrope, don't they, as long as they're quite close to the bottom of the, the table. Yeah, I think I think what what it does um, the the whole coronavirus situation. What it does is it limits it limits opportunities for for Callum to go out and and perhaps do what he wanted to do in the in the, the transfer market. And it it just it's keeps a very you, small it keeps squad. You it's a in. very very small squad. Yeah, it keeps you reined in. There's not there's not the kind of you know the real fingernail biting stuff financially for Saints and that's the legacy of uh, of as I say decades of uh, well run well run uh, club but um, what it does is it just keeps re- uh, Saints just rained in a wee bit just closed in a wee bit and and that that's a problem if things aren't working on the pitch it, it, you're right it has been an, a, a, quite an, a, an intriguing season for St Johnson because you had that long run we've also got them in the uh, yeah, cup semi final. I was going to say twenty twenty one. There's they've got they've got a, a winnable semi final, and then were they to get through a winnable a winnable well, final? So I, I personally know. would if they get over uh, past Hibs, I then think they then become favourites for the for the the, the Betfred Cup. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it, it could be you know there there could be great times lying ahead for St Johnson fans. A bit of worry just now, particularly I think on on the discipline side for me. Um, yeah, three you know, red cards in a row. <laughs> you can't, you can't shoot yourself in the foot as a, as a team, uh, uh, particularly when you're kind of in a, in, a, in, a, in a difficult spell of form. You can't keep doing that, and and I think it's up to the the, the, the teammates to say, look, we're we're keeping eleven men on the park this time. So that needs to be sorted out. I'm sure Callum uh, doesn't need told that. Um, that'll be a priority. So if if they can do that, they, they, they can they can kick back on from this because we've seen we've seen as we did with uh, Tommy's teams. Always thought that when they were struggling, and and Eric, you know this uh, just as well as I do, they would be sitting at the bottom of the the table with you know just a few points after so many games, and you'd go, oh, it's all right because we know that Tommy will Tommy will fix this, and he did. And and usually they would end up in the top six um, come the end of the season after being struggling for a long time down in the danger zone. Now, I'm not saying that it could just happen by a snap of the fingers. Of course it can't. But um, I, I, I would be like, I, I think I think my gut feeling again is Saints will be okay. Yeah, I still think they'll be. I'm getting worried now about top six, but I would think top half of the... Top half of the bottom half, which is kind of where I thought they would either be top half of the bottom half or bottom half of the top half, you know, would have been my prediction on day one. But just to finish up on Saints, Jim, I think one of the credits to Callum and one of the reasons to to be optimistic is you never, even now on a bad run, you never hear the, the merest whisper of a, oh, Tommy did it that way or something like that. It's almost as if for, for as much as Tommy left a huge imprint on that club, it's very much... Callum Davison, St. Johnson now, and there's no, you know, there's no sort of harking back to how it used to be, which which is an enormous credit to to Callum Davison. I always think. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he inherited, um, you know, a, a, he inherited a good club, not just you know, not, not just some. I mean, Tommy had brought the average age of the side doing well. We know all that. Um, <clears throat> he's at a good club. He's at a club that are financially sound. That are kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, I do get kind of cheesed off at this stuff about Saint Joe. I was having done, you know, not, not that well supported for the size of the city and the area. Saints, Saints are not any worse than anybody else in terms of support. As it is, this season's irrelevant because nobody's got supporters, you know. So. Um, and to be honest with you, Eric, I, I'm not entirely convinced that that they might not yet make the top six. That gap is not insurmountable. It doesn't look great. No, no, you know, you're not, sitting no. looking at as as we are doing the podcast. You know, it's a very concertinated look, league. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that that's a league that you know once we you know we're kind of um, at a halfway-ish stage. I mean, once you really get into the uh, the meat of things through, you know, February and all the rest. Particularly if we get supporters back soon, I'm not sure that will happen. But you know, I just sense that the Saints could still be in with a shout there of of, of top six. I mean, it's it's tougher than it, than it should be, but it's it's not impossible. And of course, there's a cup run to um, the semi to to look forward to as well. So you know, all things considered, I think it, it, it's um it's not a worry a worrying 
season, I think. I think the, the, the main worry is, is the one that, that, that Ian mentioned there. And it was one that I, I raised again in my comment at the weekend. You've just got to be careful about that. I mean, O'Halloran's had two red cards, four red cards, I think, this season. Look at the biggest squad in the world. It's just got to be careful that, you know, that the passion for the game doesn't slightly spill over because when you've not got a big squad, the last thing you need to be doing is losing players through suspension yeah. and all the rest of it. But, yeah. I mean, Callum's, Callum's a quiet guy, but he's, he will, you know, on the face of it, go out mild-mannered and all the rest of it. He will lay the law down in his own sweet way to make sure that this sort of stuff kind of disappears in the background. Ian Dundee, dare we be? Dare we be optimistic? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I think, well, I'm sure. Listen. I'm sure. We'll leave it to Jim to last. He can break the habit of a lifetime and be optimistic <laughs> about Dundee. But Ian, your 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 glasses usually. I was going to say no, not always half full with Dundee, but it's it's it's. Closer to the gyms. But things, listen, there are genuine reasons to be optimistic, aren't they, for, for Dundee? Listen, they seem to be settling down. Um, in third place, that's good, isn't it? What a, what a great boost for the, the fans to look at the table and see that. Uh, Ten unbeaten at Dens, I believe. So, you know, a character to come behind um, in the game, the recent game against Alola. So you've got Osman So, who is Jim's favourite player. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's banging in the goals, which is a, a a great bonus for them. You know, be costing them money right enough because he's on a a pay, on a pay high, for true. play, isn't he? So <laughs> that's the only downside. But no, listen, um, it's it's good. It's they're, they're, I think I think they're they're settling down. Just as we said, the other clubs spine are, of the team, kind of, the spine yeah, of the just taking small steps. And it does seem to me that Dundee are just gradually just just calming down their season a bit, and and just now on the no they're they're just getting the points tucked away, um, getting into a bit of a bit of a run of form, and then of course we have Hearts <laughs> Hearts on Saturday, uh, which is a major challenge, and and the the great I suppose the the cloud over them is that that Hearts sit already you know a comfortable lead at the top of the division, but. You've got to almost just block it out and do do what you can yourself, and I think I think James McPake will be sitting quite pleased, quite satisfied. He'll be liking what he's seen from his team, and uh, I just think they're studying themselves. I think the thing for Dundee, this has been we're looking back on twenty twenty for Dundee. It's been as much a roller coaster for them as any any club really. I mean, you think of all the carry on through the summer, uh, the, the, the yes no vote from from John Nelms, kind of almost held up for ridicule in, in certain parts, um, as as a, as a club for that that episode, the the difficulties in uh, they've they've had their wage cut stuff. Remember, mm-hmm. um, the, the season starting late, it, it's been it's been blow Kane, after Kane blow. business. Yeah, hurdle after hurdle, trying to rebuild the squad. James is uh, McPeak is, 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 is getting his defence sorted out. So uh, there's been challenges there. I just think as we come towards, we're, we're heading into 2021, that Dundee are just seem to be steadying the ship a bit. They really do. And of course, they've, they've got a, a, a big one at the weekend. But we'll see how that goes. I maybe they've maybe they've got more of a more confidence now going into that because of how the how the results have gone uh, recently. Hearts are hitting form as well, though, aren't they? Yeah, I certainly. Hope. Yeah, they are. They are. That's the thing. I mean, that's the that's the uh, having having uh, you know largely f- followed United through these years um, when they were in the Championship trying to get up. That's the thing. You, if you have a team above you, you're chasing them all the time. It just is such a burden, but. The, the trick has to be close your mind, settle, focus on what you're doing yourself. And I, I think that I can see signs that that's what Dundee are doing. Just just listening and, and just, just looking to, to get themselves sorted out first. Forget about hearts. I'll have to deal with them at the weekend, of course. But um, try and just get your, get your own house in order. And what I would say, Jim, I think there's... I would be more optimistic. I mean, we're talking about it. Listen, if it's Dundee, it's Dundee. But I would be more optimistic for the, the the championship club that emerges as the the playoff rival of a Premiership club. I would be more optimistic for them this season than any other. I mean, if if I mean Ross County and Hamilton could make could make fools of me, and the Hamilton certainly have done many times. But they're the two that I would see as bottom and and second bottom. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to pick an order. And listen, Dundee against one of those two, I think that's. 
that would be that would be a very very winnable a winnable tie to get back to the, the top flight. Yeah, uh, Eric. Any pessimism I may have previously evinced about Dundee is only because Remember, of, these podcasts can <laughs> folk can still listen to them. Jim, it's right? only because of the disappointment of what they should be achieving and and, and what maybe now you start to see signs of. I mean, they shouldn't have been down in the first place. They're a Premiership club. They should be. They should always be in the Premiership. You know. I mean, and, and you know, we've talked previously about this. While the United were down, they could have recreated a. You know, I mean, it's all in the past now, but they could have kind of had a go at marketing the city, getting the next generation of kids. Or at least they've missed a lot of great chances to do things. But I think. Um, as a combo, I mean, listen, I'm delighted to see uh, Osman So scoring six in, the th- in, in, in three games last night because he, he is a player that I admire greatly at Hearts, but frankly, his career just went off in a meander. Yeah, it's, it was so uh, long just, ago. Yeah, I, and I have to say that when they when they, when they, when they re-signed him, I thought, this guy's a ghost of a player. Why, why is he coming back? You know, I mean, um, but he... he you know, he looks now, I mean, he's a big, physically strong player. He holds it up well. He can score a goal. If you can get him at his best, and it looks as though James McPake may now be profiting from that, that's great. For me, the sweetest thing of the lot has been the Charlie Adams signing. I mean, uh, you know, important again last night. We know he's had, you know, Charlie's had tragedy in his life over the last number of years. And again, more recently with with, with his mum passing away. But I mean, what, what a signing he's he's been for them. You know, I mean, he's just, he's, he's dominant in that in that midfield area. He's a magnificent passer. He's got still got very quick And feet. Jim, you could, you could imagine him being, abs- I mean, he's talismanic already, but you imagine him in the playoffs. You could just, oh. it's... You know, you, you well remember what he did for Blackpool in the playoffs. You know, certain big characters become they, they they drag teams over the line, don't they? He's got the right mentality. I mean, never mind his ability. I mean, the ability and the mentality go go hand in hand. And I mean, you know, the the the, the thing is, they look a stronger side now than they they've done for some time. I, have, I mean, you know, we, we're all kind of a bit worried about Young Hamilton and goal, but he seems to have kind of steadied the ship there as well. But things like the addition of Ashcroft and Fontaine now in 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 the side, you know. Um, are really important, I think. Charlie just kind of Burns playing like the throws at midfield. Burn, Burn, always like Burn as a player, you know, strong player. So you know, the, all of a sudden things are looking just that that much brighter. Now I think you know, none of us, you know, we all thought that Hearts would be favourites for the start of the season, but none of us thought that Dundee would get the hammering they got at Tynecastle, mm-hmm. you know, when they opened. I think really, really important to see what happens this, this weekend at Dens. I think this will be a big, big indicator of just how far Dundee have travelled. I mean, you know, if you looked, I said, I mean, you said that on Twitter last night, if you, look, you looked at the league table, all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks back, you're looking at Dundee and you're thinking, what are they doing down there? You know, some good games and all of a sudden they're up to third. Now, that's really important. Psychologically, it's important for the manager, for the players, for everyone concerned uh, with Dundee. And I think this weekend becomes a huge game. Even if they were to lose it, if they were to lose it narrowly, you would know they were really on the turn. Uh, and I'm not convinced they will lose this one. I mean, I think they are making dramatic progress. I think with Charlie in the midfield, Osman So up front, who will also have something to prove uh, indeed, against indeed. his previous club. You know, the the the... Uh, you know the, the the mix of Ashcroft and Fontaine at the back, a uh, strong burn, and and I mean you, you you've got there's lots lots to be pleased about there, and I think this is a dramatically different uh, Dundee that are emerging, and if James McPake can keep them uh, on that course, then you know the, the rest of the season might might be a joy for Dundee fans. Well, we've got to quit while we're ahead there, I think, guys. Yeah, we can't. What a way! What a way to finish twenty twenty on the the talking football podcast Jim absolutely bursting with optimism and positivity <laughs> about Dundee and all listen all three of our clubs listen thanks thanks to everybody for listening to us in 2020 and thanks guys for your contributions and we'll be back in 2021 and listen let's face it it's not going to be it's not going to be dull is it thanks again If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.